Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise question off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Three sides of a strange coin sometimes. Twelve sides of this coin. <laughs> John, what? do you have the coin? Uh, yeah, but it's only got two sides. Uh, I don't. Th <laughs> I, I think Tarek will get pissed if we flip it six times. Uh, <laughs> Tarek, heads or tails? Tails. Uh, it's wow. I don't. I don't know what to make of that. That's actually tails right there. Well, hey. I'll never believe you. But uh, Tarek, do you do you want the ball or are you gonna defer today? I want to put the ball in my mouth and take it with me, Bill. You. All right. Well, the twelve-sided coin, man. So um, you are in a startup draft. You get to choose your draft position. Where where are you picking, buddy? Uh, I'm picking at one. Uh, we're talking <laughs> superflex here, Mitch. Superflex, yeah, yeah. You're picking Mahomes. Is <laughs> I will be picking one, and I will be picking Mahomes. I do think that he is in a tier on his own. If I'm not picking one, though, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think that's easy. I'll go ahead and say five. I like the five spot. I did like the five spot. Yeah, I, I think you're still going to get a really good quarterback there, and you're going to get a nice uh, mid-second round pick. And throughout the draft, you can kind of play those games where I think this guy's going to make it back to me, but maybe not. When you're at the ends, you kind of have to reach for guys that you may not really want to reach for, but you know they're not going to make it back in 24 picks. So, yeah, if it's not the one, give me the five. Heard that. John? What you think? I'm going to say the seven uh, because it, in startup up, there's like two RBs that I'm going right at the top and then five quarterbacks. And then it's like, you know, it's anything goes after that. So I kind of like being in that spot where I know I'm going to get one of those top tier guys, probably a, or a, the last quarterback uh, that, I you know, I've got in the top five there. But um, I'm still comfortable getting that tier one talent. Uh, and I, I just don't like I don't like that one spot. Uh just because you got to wait so long. It's like, I want to draft already. I like being in the middle there. I want to get this thing going. I want to draft. The middle is a fun place to be. I'll, I'll say that because you, you get to let the draft fall to you. But as somebody in the seventh pick in our current show league, I don't think I love it. I'm not going to lie. You've made some cool picks, though, man. I, I, I like what you're doing because you've made some trades. You've moved around in the draft. So you started with Jonathan Taylor and then Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. And depending on how the draft falls to you, you can either choose if you want to do productive struggle or if you want to contend right now because you got two elite talents at premium positions. Yep. So I like it. But the yeah. burden is, if you're picking seven, in my opinion, that like you have to understand that if your guy's not there, you got to trade out of that mm -hmm. second round pick. But anyway... Should we get into it, Tarles? Yeah, let's get into it. Wow, right. that was like the that was like the most serious and information-packed <laughs> coin toss we've ever had. Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, next time I, I won't plan it, and we'll just keep doing it that way. All right, sounds good. The fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek, angry Tarek Benshuya, or Bentria. Uh, with me, not as always, John Alexander and Mitch Yates. We are without a brother today who is 
flying the high skies. I don't even know where he's going. Well, he he left Charleston. He's going. Well, I don't know where he's going, but I know where he was. Oh, he was in Charleston. Oh, this was that bachelor party weekend. Okay. Yeah, this oh. was that time I was supposed to hang out with him, you know, and then, you know. Came and hung out with me instead. Yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys were farts in the wind, huh? Dick move, I know. <laughs> okay, but you still got to see John in Austin this weekend. John, how was how was the Austin F tree game last night? I, I appreciate that this has become a regular segment at the beginning of the show here. Uh, we, we love MLS here on the long game. <laughs> it, we uh, we definitely got our butts handed to us, but me and Mitch, we had a good time. We screamed our lungs out, and uh, that's why we're sounding so sexy today. I think. Yeah, if you if you were wondering where our voices are, they're they're still back in that beautiful stadium. Uh, absolutely beautiful stadium and you know what we talk a lot about dynasty on this podcast for some reason and uh I, i'd like to just think that austin fc is in that rebuild mode you know you know you, you you can't just be a contender off the rip like that so well this is their first season so let's call it a productive struggle let's okay? <laughs> let's just I, I just think that they're playing the long game i maybe they'll be big fans of the show who knows? hey hey Shout out. So Mitch was in Austin nary like eight, nine hours ago, and now he's back in Charleston, landed, got right on the mic. And so that dedication is real. Love appreciate you guys being here despite uh, the lost voices and maybe a little bit of a hangover and travel fatigue. So Ooh. appreciate you guys. <laughs> All right, so today uh, we are almost done with this series going through division by division in our attempt to talk about every dynasty-relevant player in the NFL. We're doing the NFC North today, so going up north, excited about this division, lots to talk about, lots of moving pieces, and we're going to start with the Detroit Lions. So at quarterback, Jared Goff is our QB 25 in consensus. I actually have him the lowest at QB 30. And John, you have him up at QB 21. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just don't see a lot of upside here. I think he can support fantasy relevant weapons more than he's being given credit for. But that doesn't really mean I think he's a great fantasy QB. You know, zero rushing upside going from one of the better to a complete unknown coaching environments. So, John, tell me why he's still a mid to low range QB two for you. Yeah. So if he's if this is a one QB league and he's my QB two. I'm pretty happy with that. If it's a two QB league and he's like my QB three, I think I'm pretty happy about that as well. And the reason is he's got that uh, QB, what was it? QB uh, six performance in 2018. So I know he's, he can do that. He had, it was more like 13, two years ago, 20 last year. And that's, that's about where I've got him is right there at 21. Um, the reason that I'm going to keep him there for now is I think that Detroit's committed to him for at least two years. That's what his contract situation looks like. They don't have anyone behind him right now. They're probably going to draft somebody next year. I think they brought him in to lose every single game so they could get their choice quarterback. So I anticipate him being a guy for the next two years, um, somebody who's startable if needed. Um, but then after that two years, I, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant anymore. So I think he's a guy worth keeping on your roster as a backup. Um, but if he's somebody you're trying to start every week, that's probably not something you're real excited about. To me, he's kind of an illusion. Like that that top six season is not necessarily real. So when Tarek says um, he supported relevant weapons, um, I think maybe his relevant weapons supported him and his weapons being like Woods and Cup and Sean McVay and Todd Gurley. Um, I think being in this different situation 
it's not exciting and I don't know he's young he's what like 26 years old so I don't think that um he I don't know if he's going to be out of a job in two years but um it could be faster than that if it shows that he was the product of that system and uh, doesn't put up there in Detroit so John let me um maybe push you a little bit on some of the your rankings not that I think they're necessarily wrong but I'm just kind of interested that you have Jared Goff ranked above two rookies, uh, both Zach Wilson and Mac Jones drafted in the sure. first round yeah. of the 2021 NFL draft. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's very much different from not only our consensus, but also just kind of like the general dynasty landscape. If you look at DLF ADP or any other kind of ranking services. So yeah. why are you choosing to trust Jared Goff a little bit more uh, than these younger, maybe higher upside guys? Yeah, and I think that's a good question. And it's a conversation we've had before. So uh, forgive me if I sound repetitive, but uh, it's just that I've seen Jared Goff do it. I know that he's he's capable of being a quarterback in the NFL. Just from a historical standpoint, how many rookie QBs work out every year? It's like one or two. We're talking about five guys this year. Not all five of those guys are going to work out. That's Mm -hmm. just from a statistical standpoint. Now, I don't know which of those five guys are going to make it, and that's why I'm kind of holding back right now. I'm not real sure which of these guys. I'm feeling really confident about Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about that later, I think. Right, right. Uh, But I know that Jared Goff can do it. And as soon as I can see these other guys that they can do it in the NFL, that's when I'm going to move them up. So I'm just, I'm a little bit, I moderate my rankings a little bit more than y'all, I think. Okay. When you say that all five guys aren't going to make it, that is absolutely true but there's one thing we got to think about is all all five of those guys are going to get a chance and Mm -hmm. they're going to have this that chance presumably for two years in your window that you brought up with jared goff so in my opinion they got to be higher than him i mean we're going to talk about his wide receivers but i don't think that's going to be a very long conversation so it's not (laughs) you know that's not upside that's that's not something that I'm going to be buying before I buy a rookie. Yeah, I mean, as John referenced earlier, I think the other quarterback that uh, we need to at least think about on this roster is the number one overall pick in 2022, mm-hmm. because I think that is more than likely coming. At least them and uh, and the Texans will be duking it out <laughs> right. for, for whoever number one is. Let's move on to the running backs. So we got DeAndre Swift here at running back five. So as a group, you know, we are as aggressive as any other site out there. But if you talk to dynasty players kind of on a one-on-one basis, he's a very polarizing player in the community. He's the guy that got high draft capital in that vaunted 2020 class coming in at the uh, early second round. He played really well in his opportunity last year, showed that pass catching upside with 46 receptions and 13 games. So Trey, John, and myself all have him as a top four running back in Dynasty. Mitch, you're tempering your expectations, but you know, you're still high on him at running back 11. So what do you think about DeAndre Swift and how he's being valued in the landscape right now? I think he's being a bit overvalued. I have warmed up to Swift. I, I'd say a lot. I don't think I was very high on him when we uh, when we started this pod. Um, I've warmed up to him over this offseason. I just, and I've said it before, I don't like the state of the Lions. I don't trust that they're moving in the right direction. And right now, it's, yeah, it's the Swift and the Hawk show, like, featuring Prince Goffrey. And, like, I, I, I'm going to fade him just because, like, not all volume is good volume. This defense is going to try to game plan 
specifically Swift out of the game. I, I don't know. I expect stacked boxes and again, running back 11 is high, right? We're saying that he's still going to finish a running back one. That's what we're expecting. But I wouldn't be very surprised if he doesn't finish as a running back one this year. And that, like when you guys have him ranked at four, to me that that represents the possibility of him being like number one running back overall if you're going to rank mm-hmm. him that high. And yeah. I don't think his ceiling is that high, at least I mean, this year. Yeah, John... Like we've seen running backs do really well on bad teams, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about James Robinson from last year as like an obvious recent example, but I think Austin Eckler has done really well in kind of not great Chargers teams before. Like, you know, another guy who Swift kind of comps nicely to. So, why are you in league with me and Trey and having him as a top four dynasty running back? Uh, well, it's it's everything about the profile. It was that he was like the number one guy coming out as a rookie for, in a lot of people's rankings. Uh, he's got the ability to run, but I think what sets him apart is the pass catching. And so I'm not sure I agree with Mitch necessarily that he's going to be facing a lot of stack boxes just because I feel like they're probably going to be throwing. They're going to be in a lot of situations where they have to throw it. And so I think for this season, he's got a really high ceiling just because he's going to be I, I anticipate him receiving a lot of check down passes from Jared Goff. Yeah, um, he could he could get 100 targets, I e- think. Exactly. I think that's well within his wheelhouse. And in PPR leagues, that's just, that's insane. So uh, that's that's why I have him ranked really highly. And I think Mitch is right. I think they're going to try to game plan him out of the game. But uh, we've seen that he has the receiving potential. Uh, but there are some questions about injuries that I think we should probably talk about as well. Because I think... What was it last year? Adrian Peterson said something after he got the concussion that he just didn't seem like himself. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I was saying earlier, I was texting the group chat before we got on the recording, and I was saying that my biggest concern with Swift is actually the concussion. So I'm, you know, I think we've seen many times where concussions can pile up, and it seemed like a really bad concussion uh, because of those comments that you just mentioned, John. So that's my biggest worry. Another thing, I don't, I can kick it back to Mitch to give any kind of final thoughts on Swift. But what I also wanted to say is that despite the kind of weapons and the quarterback situation and the new coaching staff kind of being underwhelming, they do have a really good and young and up and coming offensive line. So I think despite stacked boxes, there's still going to be holes that he's going to be able to run through. And I think he's an elusive enough guy to once he gets to the second level, he could make some things happen. Yeah, sure. And yeah, I I agree with you guys on a lot of that. I think mm-hmm. if I'm contending, I do want him on my roster. I'm not sure how confident I feel if he's the best running back on my roster, but I know you guys okay. do disagree with that. I It just, it seems shaky. It seems, I, I would not have the confidence in my contending roster if he was my number one running back. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's it's not a sure bet at all. But you guys you have, him, have, have him at four. So like, yeah. I mean, four is objective aggressive fucking high man like yeah i mean that's do you have him above saquon uh no i have saquon at three me too yeah who do you have at five i'm curious i have at running back five dalvin cook and then at running back six alvin Kamara. so you know i I, it is aggressive like i i i am i mean i was talking about this earlier today in our in our draft chat uh for the show league 
you know, I am admittedly a little bit more of like an up and coming value chaser. And sometimes I ignore previous production to my own detriment. Um, but I, I just always want to stay a step ahead of that age cliff 26, 27, which the cooks and the Camaras are approaching. And I think Swift is very clearly because of his talent, because of his evaluation and because of what we saw on tape last year, he's very clearly a guy that could be a top five running back, not just for the next two years, but for the next three, four five years um, until he reaches that age cliff. So, I mean, it's it's aggressive for sure. I, I think we are in league with kind of the rest of the dynasty community. I think everybody's getting a little aggressive on him. So it bears thinking about zagging while everybody's zigging. So I don't hate anybody that has him as a low-end RB1. Um, I don't think that's absurd because all of these guys are really talented and have the ability to put up really massive seasons. That's why they're RB1s. I just like Swift as a talent um, and kind of his pass-catching upside and his age kind of vaunts him into that territory for me. He's just a guy that I want to take that gamble on. He's a strange-looking bulldog. <laughs> Indeed he is. All right, so the other running back that we have uh, on our list here is Jamal Williams at running back 50. And I'm actually significantly the highest on him at RB41. I think he's a high-value handcuff with some standalone flex appeal in 2021 and 22. You know, Anthony Lynn talked him up as being the A-back, and I don't really believe that, but I do think he's going to get plenty of looks. And he's the type of player that coaches like to rely on, you know, great in pass protection, reliable pass catcher, and will bang it up the middle when you need him to. John, as the low man at RB58, why are you not super excited here? Yeah, I, I was right up there with you um, when he was with Green Bay. I thought that he was an excellent compliment to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Like, he did things that they didn't necessarily do. But in Detroit, I feel like he is just... Um, well, DeAndre Swift does everything that Jamal Williams does, but he does it better. I don't necessarily think he's like a compliment back. So I don't see him. I don't see the upside in the same way that I did in Green Bay. And the other thing for me is just the contract. If you take a look at the contract, there's an out after one year. They only gave him $3 million. This to me just kind of looks like uh, maybe a one and done sort of deal. Like uh, maybe Jamal Williams falls off the face of the planet. You know, we're, we're at age 26 here and you know what happens at age 26 with running backs. True. It just doesn't look like a long-term commitment to me. And I, I don't see a lot of upside this season. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not a long-term commitment, but when you make a commitment to a running back, you shouldn't be trying to do that long-term anyway. Um, I think that he has like, I think he hit the nail on the head, Tarek. Uh, he has standalone value. He's a very valuable handcuff. And like DLF has him as the 164th player off the board in a startup draft. And that's in the likes of like dudes like Russell Gage and Cole Beasley and Jeff asshole jr. Oh, and like, man. like, like not even close. And that's what I mean. It's the value is there. Like, yeah, that's why he's an exciting pick. Not because like I expect him to by any means be like, like a potent part of this high powered fucking Detroit offense. But like, Dude, I think he'll get a good amount of targets, maybe like three, four targets a game, and he'll get a couple carries too. And again, to me, that's better than a lot of players available at that pick. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to this wide receiver core. Should be a quick conversation, like Mitch said. Amon Ross St. Brown is wide receiver 51 in our consensus. Rookie out of USC who had that elite breakout age at 18 years old. 
He's a guy that plays from the slot, which we know Jared Goff likes to use from his time in LA with Cooper Cup. Not a speed guy, but has the burst scores to indicate that he can probably get open in the middle of the field. I'm low on him right now. The draft capital and landing spot kind of turned me off. Trey's right in that same area with me. But John and Mitch, y'all have him in that wide receiver four to wide receiver five range. Mitch, come on, bruh. Bruh. The landing spot turned me on, bruh. And we've talked about this. We've touched on it. This dude, all he's got to do is beat out Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. And like, look, if he can't do that, that's cool too. I, then I know exactly what I got in this uh, rookie draft. Um, it, like I said previously, it's the Hawk show and it's the Swift show. And he's in line to get a lot of targets as a rookie if and only if he can beat out these, I mean, gods and wide receivers. So, uh, yeah, I think that what Detroit did in the draft was they're they're trying. It's clear that they're going into the rebuild, right? They they take the linemen first, and it, it's a good sign to me that they take Amon Ra there in the uh, as well because uh, it signals to me that he's part of their long term plan. And I I liked him. I think I had him the highest in our rookie rankings uh, before the draft. Right, I remember. So, uh, so I expect him to see some volume. And as far as his rookie year goes, like I'm not expecting a lot. I think maybe Tyrell Williams is probably the best wide receiver in the room right now. Uh, but I, what I'm expecting to see is uh, what I want to see is at the end of the season that he's getting the, the majority share of the targets. He's scoring some touchdowns. So maybe he's like a sneaky little guy where you try to buy after week five or week six when he's not producing with the expectation that he's going to be performing better later in the at the end of the first season here. I like that, John, because I do think that he will probably have a slow start. Just, I mean, again, yeah. based on the offense. And I, I think he got taken, what, uh, like late second, early third in a lot of rookie drafts, kind of that area. Yeah, that was his, his range for sure, mid to late second. But are you guys... Are you guys turned off by the draft cap? Yeah, I think that's what tanked him the most for me. I actually misspoke earlier. I I like the landing spot. I mean, there's obviously plenty of opportunity there, and he, he plays out of the slot, which is what Jared Goff likes to utilize. But, uh, yeah, I was just kind of hoping to see him go in the third round and him Where him falling to, to the fifth? fourth. Fourth, okay. The fourth. Yeah. It, it just it, it turned me off a little bit. But I do like the profile, and, I, you know, I, I could see him raising up my rankings. So the other guys on the depth chart there are Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, like both of y'all referenced. And they're kind of both buried in our rankings. But the highest that any of any one of us has either of them ranked is John with Brashad Perriman at wide receiver 75. So I, I know you said that Tyrell Williams might be the best receiver there right now. But do you think Perriman or Williams kind of has a chance to be relevant? Uh, maybe, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the 2019. Uh, what he's right trying now. to say is no, but I'll let you finish. In 2019, uh, Prayerman was with the Jets last year and Williams was uh, injured. But so in 2019, it's interesting. Uh, Tyrell finished his wide receiver 47, and Brashad Perryman, when I guess he was with Tampa Bay, then he finished his wide receiver 48. So they were right next to each other at 122 points uh, over the season. So what are we talking about? Wide receiver fours, back-end wide receiver fours? Oof. If I guess it, you keep them on your roster for now and hope maybe you don't have to use them, and maybe if there's like an injury, it's like you might put them in your flex, but I don't, I'm not expecting big things from either of them. Cool, let's move on. So let's talk about <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, who is tight end five across the board for us after the clear top four in some order. 
He he profiles as their primary pass catching option outside of Swift. Came into the league very highly touted. Showed a lot of promise in year one, especially game one against the Cardinals where he exploded. He kind of backed it up with solid production in year two. Third in tight end receiving yards last year. Six touchdowns. Mitch, what is Hawks ceiling in your mind? Like, can he move into that elite category with the four guys that are there now? If the top guy hits the pavement, if Kelsey, if Kelsey hits that wall, which I think he will in within the next two years, we're we're going to be having this conversation of like the the top tier tight ends, and I think absolutely he has the potential to be a top tier tight end, just by virtue of being better than uh, like that cliff, right? There's a huge cutoff after him, and I I see him being kind of like a Mark Andrews, like perpetual top five, top six, that might threaten to be a top three. I don't know if I'm ever going to think of him as like the number one tight end or anything like that, but he's got to be in consideration, especially with like tight end premium scoring becoming more popular in like dynasty. Like this guy's going to be a very relevant uh, player that's going to be drafted in the top three, four rounds of startups. And I I do. I, I think he's worth that pick. I think that he is going to be in the top five discussion, at least for the next like six years and maybe the top three, depending on how things go. Yeah, John, he's going to get a lot of targets. So what, what do you think about his ceiling? Uh, I'm not sure that he's Darren Waller or uh, Kelsey quality just yet because just because they both had 100 receptions and he was shooting 67 last year two off his goal too <laughs> you're right <laughs> uh but if he could presumably in this offense that we think be featured uh so if he could get closer to 100 receptions then yeah i think we're talking top three or four this year easily and going forward all right that wraps up the detroit lions let's move on to the Green Bay Packers, and there's one obvious big question here, and that's at the quarterback position. Who? Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback 13. Obviously, we're not sure if he's going to be throwing the ball here come week one. I think we'll probably get some clarity in a few weeks when camp starts. He's turning 38 at the end of this year, but he's one of the best to ever do it. Could probably easily go another half decade with elite production. John, what do you believe is going to happen? He was playing coy at that golf tournament the other day. He said, well, we'll see. And I think that's that's just where he's at right now. I don't think he even knows where he's at in his head. Uh, I think some of us are still scarred from Andrew Luck retiring, like in the middle of training camp. So that uh, he's got the money. He doesn't need to play. It's just, does he want to play? I think if he plays, he's playing for Green Bay. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere else. I don't see them releasing him, but I also don't... I. Look, man, you said uh, what a half decade of elite production for a thirty-eight-year-old. That I, it cracked me up because, like, there's Tom Brady. I mean, he's a quarterback, and he is one of the best ever. I, right? There's there's Tom Brady, but like that third. I'm just saying historically, I I'm not taking that bet, especially for a dude who's stubborn as fuck like me, dude. That's that's why I'm fading so hard on him because like. Dude, he's stacking his money. He's having a good time. He doesn't care. He was public about wanting out of there. I I don't think he's coming back. And yeah, Mitch, you get you have him at quarterback seventeen, and kind of the other side of the hedge there is that uh, with Jordan Love, you have him the highest out of all of us, coming in at QB thirty four in our consensus. But Mitch, you are the highest. If if Love does take the starting job, where do you think he's going to slot in in your rankings, Mitch? 
That's a good question. Well, I I don't think he takes the starting job. He it's either going to be handed to him, right, right. With <laughs> if if Rogers leaves, yeah, right. yeah, it's going to be handed to him, and then Green Bay is going to be like, hey, man, we have high expectations, but you'll be fine. We're, no, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be good for him at first unless he shows up. But luckily, they have Devontae Adams. But where would he slot in for me? Uh, maybe. I'd say like mid twenties. Like I would want him as a low end QB two, just based mm-hmm. on uh, like uh, Devonte Adams, based on the fact that they still have Aaron Jones and uh, Lafleur has proven to be pretty good with uh, Marcus Mariota. So I mean, he's good. So you know, Love hopefully can be as good, right? Um, I don't know. I I don't think that he's going to be ever ascended past this um qb3 low in qb2 until we've seen what he can do on like an actual game he couldn't even get that quarterback two job last year so um right it's not a great bet right uh so at running back aaron jones is our running back 13 he's a low end rb1 for mitch and john and a mid-range rb2 for trey and myself I mean, look, he's been incredible the last few years, top fantasy running back in each of the last two years. And before that, you know, it was the whole free Aaron Jones movement because we've always known that he's been really good since he stepped on the field uh, as a fifth round pick. I'm worried about his age mixed with his slight frame. I expect an RB1 season from him this year, but uh, I would bet on a pretty quick decline soon after that. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at redraft rankings right now, and it looks like he's going seven, eight, nine right now. That's so that's what we're expecting, like a uh, mid range running back one for this season. And then after that, you know, it's you're you're living on borrowed time, right? It's it could happen next year. It could happen the year after. And my philosophy is I'd rather be a year early or a year late. So I'd say if I have him on my squad, I'm going to write him if I'm a contender and, uh, you know, I'm going to try to move him if I'm not. So uh, it's just a matter of time. But this I think he he's he's a lock to be a running back one this season, at least. Do you think age frame Jordan Love, you know, like I I don't know if he's a lock to be a running back one. And I think if I'm a contender or well, if I'm no, you know what? If I'm playing Dynasty, I'm fading no matter what I'm doing on him, because just like you said, I'd rather just uh, get get in front of this before it happens. And I think that you're right. I think maybe around like week four or five would be a good time to flip him after we see some of that elite production and people remember that like, oh, yeah, Aaron Jones. He can score 30 good. points in a game. Yeah, exactly. He's very good. Yeah, he's, he's good at football. And that's the time to get rid of him. But like I would not be thinking – about hanging on to Aaron Jones all year long. Okay, so A.J. Dillon is our running back 35. Mitch and Trey have him at running back 29. And John all the way down at running back 45. John has referenced how he's not a big fan in the past. Mitch, let's start with you. So he's RB 31 in DLF ADP. That's actually where I have him. And you've got him pretty much in line with the current market. So talk to me about Dillon. I mean, have you seen how big he is? He's got those quads, man. Have you like he's he's real big and those quad those quadzillas those it's he's a freak, man. And we've talked about this before where in Dynasty a good bet would be to bet on the freaks, the big like 
the Derrick Henry's before it becomes a Derrick Henry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like a guy that's just a physical specimen that you has all the potential there and he's buried on a depth chart. Well, people are low on him because of, uh, remember that fun time in free agency when everybody was talking about Aaron Jones <laughs> and Jamal Williams leaving and everybody's buying high on AJ Dillon and then mm-hmm. rut row. So yeah. Um, but imagine, right? Like, what if he's still on that team? Maybe they've forgotten about like how disappointed they were. And they're like, Oh, maybe I can actually get something out of this. And I'm a buyer. I, I'm definitely buying AJ Dillon. I think that we just talked about uh, Aaron Jones potentially being fragile, uh, potentially like, you know, getting out of that. And uh, the quarterback situation is kind of a mess. So this could be an entirely different team next year. And AJ Dillon potentially is a starting running back. So I'd rather get this guy now than have to pay for him or like pony up later on. All right, John, RB 45. What's, what's the beef? Uh, he's a handcuff. That's, that's what he is. Like, and it, because of John, have you the, seen how big he is? He's he's a really large handcuff. Like if he was, <laughs> if somebody tried to cuff me with that those handcuffs, it would literally cover my entire body. That's how big he is. No, uh, that's that's kinky, John. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the issue here for me is because of that hype. I, he's he's if he's not already on your roster, I don't think there's any way to acquire him because the people who bought him during the hype are not going to sell him at a discount. They're going to wait it out. So. I think the buying window for AJ Dillon is passed and people are just going to wait it out to see what happened. Like nobody's going to sell him at a discount now after paying a premium for him in free agency. I, I don't know, man. I purchased him at a, at a nice rate. I'd say. In a couple yeah. Of Mitch has been on a, on an AJ Dillon buying spree across some leagues. I've been noticing. So Prices he's backing it up. Are okay. The price okay. is right, Bobby. <laughs> All right. So uh, quickly on Kylan Hill, Trey isn't here to talk about why he's a big fade on Kylan Hill. But John, uh, you recently put out an interesting tweet about Kylan being a priority stash for you. So could you just quickly expand on that? Yeah, really quickly. The idea was just that people are trying to identify the next James Robinson. Now, don't do that because that doesn't happen. But if you are looking for a guy to stash, think about the way James Robinson came to be, right? There were two clear guys in front of him. Uh, one of them was Leonard Fournette, who got cut, and the other one uh, was uh, Armstead, who had COVID. So I'm just thinking about guys who have a clear path that, uh, that you know, if the two guys in front of them drop out, then could be the next James Robinson, and Kylan Hill fits that bill. And he's the next logical person to fill the role of Jamal Williams, just because I don't think A.J. Dillon is the guy that's going to be that pass-catching back that Jamal Williams was. So I think he's got a, I think he's got a route to be relevant. All right, so Aaron Jones is getting cut before the season. You heard it here first. That's exactly what I said. I I hear what you're saying. You know, John, you have been warming me up to this idea. I still don't believe you, but, like, I want you to be right here. There's two other guys in that league later on in this episode that I want to talk about, so we'll get to them, too. I think it'll be a recurring kind of theme. All right. At wide receiver, Devontae Adams, or as we like to call him in our group chats, Automatic is wide receiver six, probably the guy that is most dependent on Rodgers' pending decision. He's entering his age 28 season. He's been a stud for several years, but last year was just another level. He had 18 touchdowns in 13 and a half games, 34.1% target share. John is still holding out with him at wide receiver one. Mitch, 
is your wide receiver eight ranking just a hedge on Rodgers leaving? Because personally, it pretty much is a hedge. In other <laughs> words, if Rodgers signs a new contract tomorrow, where does Tay go in your ranks? He goes all the way back up to the top. I don't know if he goes back to number one, not for me at least, but he's at least back in that number three consideration. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I, I want a halftime about this. I'm resting on these laurels here. He's an incredible player. And no matter who's hucking him the rock, I don't really care. He's going to be productive. Eight is not low. Like, he's as, as Trey said last episode, he's not dead. He's still... A, a fucking beast yeah and he finished number one last year but the the main reason that i cannot justify him at the number one slot is because i literally don't think it's possible for him to finish number one overall with jordan love throwing him the ball next year i think that that's just i think he's going to be good i think he'll be a low-end wide receiver one but i i don't think that he's going to be that like like championship winning piece to your squad next year so it kind of sounds like John thinks that Aaron Rodgers is coming back and Mitch thinks that Aaron Rodgers is chilling on his stacked money, basically. Yeah. I, I Actually, what's crazy is I have Devontae Adams the lowest of all of us at wide receiver 10, but I kind of think Aaron Rodgers is coming back, you know? So, uh, But I will say if he does come back for sure, I'm going to vault him back up to the top five. He won't be ahead of Justin Jefferson. Right, right and uh aj brown for me or but he DK will be in that wide yeah he'll be in that wide receiver three four five conversation yep. easily john you have a wide receiver one still so is this your expectation that rogers is he's on his way back yeah i i you know money talks so that's that's where i'm at and uh as far as i'm concerned he's the reigning champ and he gets he doesn't get demoted until he proves that he's not wide receiver one uh he's got that capacity and not many people can say that so, John, say say week three, Aaron Rodgers isn't back yet, and you're updating your rankings weekly. Where is Tay or Bay or whatever, Automatic? Yeah, there it Where is. Where is he in your rankings? <laughs> uh, I'd probably, you know, he in that, in that situation, he's probably going to be in a similar situation as Allen Robinson. With He's like an exceptional wide receiver with no quarterback. So, you know, anywhere between 10 and Allen Robinson from last year. Yeah, 10 to 15 is probably where he belongs without Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so that, yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, let's move on um, to Amari Rodgers, who is the third round pick out of Clemson. Wide receiver 67 in our consensus. This is a guy that plays out of the slot, so he kind of gives them something different than the other two or three scrubs down the depth chart. But Mitch, you hate him, so explain. <laughs> I don't hate him. I just, again, I, it's going to be the same theme all all. Until Rodgers is back, my opinion on this... Actually, you know what? Scratch it. Because let's say he does come back. I still hate him. And he's never shown... Rodgers, I mean. he He's never shown a wide receiver two in that offense. He's always had that wide receiver one and then spread the ball to everyone. There I mean, was that one year where Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were both wide receiver ones. But it was only one year. Really. Oh, man. Yeah. But th that's a good point. I'm just saying that these guys are, it's not that same offense. It's not that same. Yeah. And I don't here. think Amari Rogers is nearly as good as Randall Cobb. Let me throw that out there. Right. But. And like, I mean, Alan Lazard, MVS, uh, Equinemius, you know, all those, all those dudes. And then 
uh, Aaron Rodgers Jr., the third, or Amari, Amari Rodgers, you know, like these guys are all going to get, <laughs> these guys are all going to get like a couple targets here and there. Maybe they'll blow up one week and they'll be waiver wires like heroes or trade bait or whatever. But no, I'm not sold on this and I'm not going to even like, it's not even going to move the needle until I see something on the actual field for this guy. Okay, John, quick thoughts on MVS or Lazard for Dynasty. Uh, not worth rostering for all the reasons Mitch just said. Uh, I think that they'll be relevant one or two weeks of the season, all of them, and they're not worth, you, you don't want to take that gamble. I, I'm taking a lot of MVS in my underdog best ball drafts, well, I will say. Best very ball's late. a little different. But yeah, quite different. All right, so the tight ends. The best, you know, kind of most appropriate tight end name in the league maybe is Big Bob Tunyon at tight end 14. He's a low end tight end one for Trey and myself, a tight end two for you two, John and Mitch. Guys, don't you know that he is BFFs with George Kittle? <laughs> you know you know what else he's BFFs with, right? Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's, <laughs> are we sensing a theme here? Well, yeah. Aaron Rodgers happens to have a goddamn rocket launcher. And, uh, you know, you take away that and then the Tunyon Knight is dead. We're doing a Game of Thrones episode, baby. Like, mm -hmm. no, it, I don't think that he's anything without Rodgers. I I don't know. He's he's all right, but, like, he's just touchdown dependent as hell. And yeah. if yeah. that offense isn't, like, cooking like it is with the reigning MVP, then his value is going to plummet, in my opinion. So just to piggyback off that, Travis Kelsey had 11 touchdowns last year. Tunyon had 11 as well. Whereas uh, Kelsey had twice as many receptions. So talk about touchdown dependency. Uh, he's due for some serious regression. But even if he does regress down to something more like Gronk, where he's got seven touchdowns or something, then uh, he's still that low range tight end one. Um, not someone you're excited to start, but maybe he has that three touchdown game that he had last year and you're feeling good about that. Yeah, guys, going through this exercise with the Packers kind of makes me realize that I need to tweak some rankings with the Packers because it kind of seems on some positions I'm like hedging as if Rodgers is going to be gone and some I'm hedging as if he's going to come back. So I kind of got to figure that out for myself. Well, so Tara, that will be my project over the next couple of days. Yeah, I, Mitch. I just wanted to toss this in there because I noticed it as we were recording is that like when John said he would have um, Devontae Adams at wide receiver 15, if Rodgers wasn't there, that made me realize that you and I are sitting like right in that in between. Like, right. we're saying, it's a hedge. we're saying, yeah, yeah it's, it's the biggest hedge that we're doing. We're saying, well, if then this, and if not, then this, and we ranked him right there in the middle. And that's kind of, I feel like we need to take a stance here. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll, we'll update the pod next week. See what we did. All right. Mike check for thusly and heretofore it is halftime. All right. <laughs> so a reminder for our listeners, Halftime is a segment in which I ask our esteemed panelists a question and they give me an argument based answer and I decide sometimes to always arbitrarily who had the best argument. This week, the halftime question is this, which team from our TLG show league startup draft has had the best first two picks. So we are about two and a half rounds through our startup draft for the TLG show league. Shout out to those guys. Uh, thanks for being a part of that. We're really excited about it. So talk to us about which player had the best first two picks in your opinion, kind of make sure to tell us where they picked and if they made any trades, etc. Mitch, you're going first. Oh man. All right. Uh, let's see. 
I like this. Who's this guy? Tyler. Yeah, yeah. It's Tyler Welsh. Shout out Tyler. Tyler. What's what's his? Uh, oh, Tyler Dagger, right? Yeah. Well, I like what he was doing. Um, he actually picked right before me in the sixth spot. Um, I was pick seven, and Justin Herbert was there, and I was like, oh come on, you know I want him. And uh, he he was not actually at the pick right in front of me. He traded up, sniped him from me, and then on his way back, snagged DK Metcalf at. Uh, the second pick in the second round. And I think if we're just talking about the best two picks so far, well, that was, those are two good dudes to build a uh, dynasty startup after. So hats off to you. All right. So Mitch got Tyler Welsh with Justin Herbert, a trade up and DK Metcalf. John, who you got? Uh, so Stan man, five nineteen shout out Ryan Stanley. What's he, up, man? He, uh, I, I really like what he's doing so far. He got, he's, he's drafting from the nine spot and, uh, he managed to get Lamar Jackson there. I was trying, I'm in the 12 spot. I was trying like hell to make that, that trade to get Lamar Jackson there. Cause that's great value. And then I really like what he did after that. He had the opportunity to take AJ Brown at two, four, uh, but he didn't, uh, the person he traded it to took AJ Brown. And what he got instead of having AJ Brown there is that he traded out and now he's got an extra, it's, he's on, looks like he's on the clock right now. He's got an extra third and an extra fifth. And I love those picks between three and six. I think every single one of those are solid. So get an extra third and get an extra fifth. Those are like two extra starting players that he's going to get. And I think that's, I think that's worth it to give it up, to give up AJ Brown. So shout out to Stan man, five nineteen. Always love a trade back and a startup. Um, we've had a lot of those just in these first two and a half rounds. So it's been a lot of fun between Tyler and Ryan. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Ryan. So I'm going to give it to John here. Um, ding, I ding, do ding, ding. like um, the pick of Lamar Jackson there at 109. I think that's amazing value. I think Lamar Jackson has a really good argument to be the second player off the board, right? This is a former MVP. His rushing upside is insane. He's basically got a thousand yard floor rushing and he's a good passer too. And they brought in Rashad Bateman. They brought in Tylen Wallace. I'm really excited about what they're building around Lamar Jackson. And then following that up with a trade back and getting extra equity in the third and fifth round. I like that. So this was a hard decision to be honest, because I like both what Tyler did and what Ryan did, but we're going to go with Ryan and we're going to go with John. That puts John a little bit closer, right? What that's five, three. five, three now. Six, oh, five, three. Yeah. Don't you, don't you take that from me. Don't you take that. <laughs> All right. So Mitch is the current leader with six points. Uh, I, I do want to throw my honorable mention in here then. Um, what is this? Niswig, Niswigmas? Nick. Yeah. I, I, I can only see the uh, first six letters. So I apologize, Niswigmas. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kyler Murray was his pick at four, which is a great pick at four, but landing Nick Chubb all the way back there without making a trade, just sitting there and, uh, he just picked Justin Fields on the, uh, the way back. That's a really good start, man. Like I'm into that. I like two, two A plus quarterbacks with a running back. Like, I think that this guy's going to be competing. So I'm into it. Didn't he? Yeah. He traded up for Tyreek Hill too. So he's, he's. He's gotten a pretty good draft, right? Oh, yeah. I missed that. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, got, he's got Kyler Hill. Murray, Nick Chubb, Justin Fields, and Tyreek Hill through through just two and a half rounds. So that's that's pretty. So that's maybe pretty we cool. should just give Trey the points since uh, that was the uh, the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna keep it with John. All right. Yes. John John's trying to lose, but he's <laughs> he's creeping back in. All right. Trey, Six, I'm just five, looking three. out, man. I'm just looking out, Missy bro. 
<laughs> we love you, Trey. All right. Let's kick off this second half. Start with the Chicago Bears at quarterback, Justin Fields. I'm so excited about this, guys. QB 10, an average ranking of 12.5 in our consensus, but that kind of spits him out at QB 10. I really love Justin Fields. I have him ranked ahead of Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford. I think he's got a floor that Lance doesn't quite have, but a similar ceiling as a prospect. Although I do like Lance's situation a bit more. John, we kind of already talked about this and we talked about it a few weeks ago with Lance. Your expectations are tempered. So let me ask you a little bit more pointedly. Sure. Why are you so confident in Trevor Lawrence as a top seven quarterback versus Fields and Lance kind of down your list at 17 and 18? I've watched them all in college for a number of years and Trevor Lawrence has been NFL ready since his freshman year. Uh, Justin Fields looked NFL ready this year, uh, but that, you know, I, there's smaller sample size. And like I said earlier, not all these guys are going to hit. And Justin Fields, I love, I'm right there with you. I love Justin Fields. He was my QB two this year. And uh, my only question is that coaching staff and that, that management, because they have shown some uh, lack of competency in the past. And I just worry about his development. The fact that they haven't committed to him as the week one starter is all the red flags I need right now. Okay. Like he's the starter. He's got to be. Oh, you're saying Justin Fields, they're just trying to cover their ass for lying to fucking Randy Dalton's face, dude. Like that, <laughs> like that's all this is. They're, it's not that they're not committing to Fields, that they're just like, I mean, Randy, you know, man, like, we're sorry, but we'll give you the first half of the first preseason game, man. Like, you know, no big deal. No, like, John, I think your rankings are fucking absurd here. Like, <laughs> like, NFL ready. I don't give a shit about NFL ready. I, I give a shit about fantasy ready. And Justin Fields is ready to win me some fantasy games, man. He's about to run around and oh, not 17, 18. No, that's that's quarterback. That's low end quarterback too, bro. Like I've been reading a lot of like fantasy guys who kind of rely more on tape like Justin Fields more than Trevor Lawrence because of his intermediate and downfield accuracy is a little bit better than Lawrence, at least what he showed in college. And then, you know, Fields just has that level of mobility that Lawrence can't really approach. I mean, Lawrence can move for sure, but Fields is like a a 90-something percentile athlete when it comes to his speed. Right. And I'll toss it to Trey. Like, he's been saying that these three guys are a lot closer than people are making them out to be. For sure. Good shout out. Yeah. Trey's been saying that for months. And mm-hmm. that really started to sway my opinion because it's like, yeah, it's like like Trevor Lawrence is a slam dunk, but these he's a slam dunk because he's NFL ready and he's guaranteed to like he's going to be the quarterback there for a long time. And he's I get that. But these guys are potentially like league winners and we, we can't just scoff at that. We can't scoff at Justin Fields. Uh, potentially being benched behind Randy Dalton. We know it's a. We know they're full of shit. I'm sorry. Unless does does anybody think that they're actually serious about this? I think Andy Dalton could definitely start the first few games, but I, I, it'd be absurd if Fields wasn't in there within two or three exactly. games. Exactly. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, speaking of Andy Dalton, he's the other guy on this on this quarterback list. Um, I mean. For me personally, I would try to sell him for whatever you can get. So he still holds some value in a super flex league. And, you know, in a one QB league, he should probably be on waivers. Maybe, maybe last maybe spot probably. on your bench. 
you mean probably there's one guy in your league that has interest in randy and you need to hit him up and get what you can and that's the (laughs) guy that drafted justin fields yeah yes i exactly I, i i totally agree with that all right, so at running back, David Montgomery is the RB22. Everyone remembers him finishing on a tear last year. After Cohen went down, his target share shot up to 14.5%, which is an elite figure for a running back. He also looked like he started to run more confidently, even though these were mostly kind of bad defensive fronts. The community, kind of writ large, has been stubborn, keeping him in the low 20s, and that's just like us. So Mitch... Why, despite the kind of top five end of the year that he had, why is it do you think that everybody in the community, including us, are stubborn about him being in the low 20s? I think it's a like a hive mind hedge that we're doing here because I think that he could be fool's gold and that could be an illusion or he could actually be pretty good, right? This offense is getting better. Um, he's, he just turned 24, uh, he's showed that ability at the end of the year and he won some people, some championships. Um, but the thing for me is that he possesses value both for a rebuilder and a contender because of his youth and uh, just lack of tread on his tires. And because he possesses the ability to uh, be a strong running back too, even like a low end running back one. Um, so I think that, the perceived value. I, I think that he's just too expensive to trade for because none of us are willing to bang the table and make that, that like money move to acquire him. But mm-hmm. I, I really think that he's got more value than I'm giving him credit for. I have him at running back 18, which I, I don't know. I guess that's pretty high. It's right behind like Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, Aaron, Aaron Jones, I type that Aaron Jones. Um, But yeah, I think that's a fair place to put him, but Dude, if he starts going off next year, we're all going to be wrong about that. So, John, I was listening to the Dynasty Theory podcast recently. Uh, I really love that podcast. Check it out. John Bauer said something interesting on the most recent episode. And it was basically that, like, if David Montgomery has another top five season in 2021, he's probably still going to be a RB2 in most people's Dynasty rankings. So do you think that's true? Like imagine David Montgomery finishes RB5 in 2022 or 2021. Is he going to move up? Oh, for me definitely. I I don't I, I don't necessarily I def, I don't necessarily disagree with uh what uh the podcast you just referenced. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that just because people do get take lock, but for me the issue is small sample size and the time when he was successful, I believe was primarily due to situation. He was missing uh, Cohen, and they were going against the easy defenses. We've talked about this on previous pods, and he just didn't have it at the beginning of the season. So if he does it again, even if he does it like in the first five games, he's shooting up my rankings because that's going to be a large enough sample for me to to take a step back and say, whoa, hold on, I need to reevaluate this. Uh, because then it's not just a situation and you know you never know with a new coaching staff new quarterback uh new uh system uh that they're employing there that it could be that uh with justin fields on the field montgomery is the featured back that some people believe he is all right so Tariq cohen is a little bit further down our running back ranks and john i'm actually going to throw it back to you because you're the highest on him at running back 
48. So that's um, high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty high for Tariq Cohen coming yeah. off the ACL. Sure, but sure. Uh, I mean, what he's a quality handcuff for you. That's kind of the range is the 40s for quality handcuffs. Well, okay, so here's here's the question, I guess, because the reason I like him is because in my mind, he does the things that David Montgomery doesn't do. He's the pass catching back and that he's got that PPR upside. But I think that just going back to our previous conversation, I think there's a possibility that Montgomery steals some of that pass catching work. And I th- that's the situation where he catapults in my rankings. It's like if he steals that pass catching upside somehow, uh, that's how he's going to move up for me. Uh, and that and then, you know, Cohen's obviously going to fall precipitously at that point, because that's that's the appeal is the PPR appeal. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't like the word handcuff in this situation. Cause I just feel like they do different things. Yeah. He's, he's not going to be taking over carries if, uh, if Monty goes down for sure. Right. Um, I, I think Tariq Cohen is like his ACL and like my right ACL is just non-existent, man. Get this guy out of here. This guy, this guy sucks. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think that he's going to be as involved. I, I, I literally agree completely, John, with, Monty getting uh, targets down the road. He's just going to, he's going to get a handful of touches, but he reminds me, oh God, who's that? Who's the old Patriots running back that backed up Derrick Henry that one year? Are you talking about Deion Lewis? Deion Lewis, yeah, that's, that's our guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's going to be a part of the offense, but he's not going to be part of a fantasy relevant offense. And I don't think that he's even worth like considering. If he's already on your bench, I, I guess keep him, but I sure as hell am not looking to get into the Tariq Cohen business. Okay, so a business that I am kind of invested in is the Khalil Herbert business. I am the highest on him out of all of us. This is a five-year player in college. He was a grad transfer from Kansas to Virginia Tech. And in 2020, he played really well. Not much of a pass catcher, but an agile back with good vision, and he hits the hole quickly. I like him as a taxi squad player. I have him on pretty much all of my dynasty teams in the taxi squad. And I think there's a chance that he's Monty's early down handcuff and could be a good player at the next level if he gets that opportunity. So, John, we talked about Kylan Hill earlier. um, And this is a guy that I see kind of in that same range of like the RB 50s. That is somebody you should think about stashing because if he finds his way to opportunity, he could shine. Yeah, yeah. And then I think the main difference between him and Kylan for me is just that Kylan's behind uh, Aaron Jones. He's a little bit older. And I think Monty's what going on year three here. So he's like uh, 24. Yeah. So I think he's they're still they're still going to be committed to Montgomery, at least for two years, if I'm thinking about that correctly. Uh, But, you know, if. It, there's I, there's going to be an opportunity for him. I agree with that. And it, I think it's entirely possible that he outproduces uh, David Montgomery if he has a chance just because Monty's athletic profile is okay, but not exceptional. And so if something happens, if he goes down with an injury, maybe he gets his job stolen. You never know. So yeah, definitely worth a stash. So Damian Williams is the other guy in this backfield that can be considered a, another stash because He's also the other guy that if Monty went down, he'd probably get first crack at that early down running back spot. So I'm not super excited about Damian Williams coming off of the opt out year, but uh, he's somebody that you could you could stash on the end of your bench. I'd, right. I'd take him over. I'd take him over Herbert personally. Um, I yeah. think that he has more direct opportunity to be that actual handcuff 
as where Herbert, like, that's going to be a taxi squad guy. I think, like, if you're going to get some sure, production out of sure. him, it's going to be next year. So if you're looking for a direct handcuff, Damian Williams all day right here. Yeah, I, if you don't have a taxi squad, I'm probably not adding Khalil Herbert to the squad um, unless you have like a 25 bench deep or something dynasty league. But yeah, definitely merits a taxi squad spot for me, Khalil Herbert. All right, at wide receiver, Allen Robinson is the wide receiver 12 in our consensus. He is about to play with the best quarterback of his career. Probably starting with Andy Dalton is the best quarterback of his career. And then certainly with Justin Fields. I am extremely happy that we have Allen Robinson above DLF ADP. Uh, I think he's 15 in DLF ADP and we have him at 12. I think he is a smashing value in startups right now where you can get him in like the fifth round of a super flex draft. He's going into his age 28 season. Both of you have him at 14. John, if Fields is the truth, and I think we expect that He's pretty good. I mean, I know you're you're tempering a little bit, but if he is the truth, I can see A-Rob creeping into the top 10, right? Yes, definitely. I think when the rumors were that Russell Wilson was coming to Chicago, I think I had him at nine. And when they signed Dalton, that's when I moved him down to 14. So yeah, if, mm-hmm. if Justin Fields is everything that we think he can be, then yeah, he's probably going to go right up back to nine for me. I, look, he finished, he finished number seven in 2019, number nine last year. And now he has a quarterback. Um, that it still feels slightly disrespectful, honestly. Um, yeah, he's a smash. He's a smash in the fifth, and I wouldn't even think that you were reaching too bad if you picked him up late in the fourth, like of a startup. That is, um, a Rob is good. Heard it here first. Like he's good at football, and seeing him with a quarterback is freaking exciting. All right, so Darnell Mooney is wide receiver sixty, and I actually boosted him about ten spots when preparing for this episode. He will flank Allen Robinson all year. He's got very impressive speed, and he's an above-average separator against man per Matt Harmon. John, Trey, and myself are kind of in line with ADP at wide receiver, you know, high 50s, uh, mid-50s. Mitch is fading. Mitch, are we just too early on Mooney here? Are we kind of anointing him the wide receiver too a little bit too fast? Exactly, man. And the market loves Mooney, and I, I don't hate the guy. I just... You know, I, I think this is one of those things that the, the, the Dynasty Twitter community is trying to will into existence. It's like I, I did see that brief, like like that shine of potential, but it's I'm not about to, to say that this guy is going to command targets. Like we don't know if Fields is going to have uh, two wide receivers that he can support. He might uh, be throwing the ball to Komet. He might be just spreading it out. He might be running, but we know that there is a wide receiver one in a Rob. So I I don't know if there is going to be a wide receiver two. And if there is, it would be great if it's him, but that doesn't even necessarily mean that it's going to be fantasy relevant either. Anthony Miller is going into his fourth year and there was a lot of hype on him kind of after his first year and even into after his second year. But last year, he was kind of usurped by Mooney. John, do you have any interest in Anthony Miller? Uh, no, I just cut him on one of my squads. He's a cuttable guy for me right now. I think he's uh, Mooney's going to take him over. And uh, I, I expect he gets traded somewhere or he gets cut and picked up somewhere else. I don't, I don't expect him to be with Chicago this year. Miller is a guy that I feel like had a lot of truthers. And they're just gone now. Yeah, that's uh, it's the 
that's what Mooney is, man. He's uh, Anthony Miller 2.0. We're just hitting the reset <laughs> button and we're just going right back in it. All right, and, interesting. All right, yeah. yeah. Different players, but I see what you mean, Mitch. I see what you mean. We'll we'll see. I mean, hopefully Justin Fields can elevate uh, Mooney as well as Robinson, but maybe another guy he can elevate is the tight end Cole Komet at tight end 13 in our consensus. This is a second round pick in 2020 out of Notre Dame. John, you've got him at tight end nine and Mitch at tight end 17. So let's hear both sides here and we'll start with John. Yeah, I I just like what was happening at the end of last season. Uh, It was definitely the Jimmy Graham show at the beginning of last season, but by the end of the season, Cole Komet was on the field more. He was getting more targets in the red zone, and I expect that trajectory to increase. I think that he's going to be getting touchdowns this year, more so than his rookie year. And he came out early uh, from the NFL draft. Like, last year would have been his senior year of college, so it's kind of unusual to see a tight end come out early, which he did. And so now it's like this would have been his rookie year. So I think he's way ahead of schedule. He's a big-time buy for me. And I'm just not there yet. I do think that he's good. I do think that he's young, but um, again, one of those those themes of the show that I'm that I'm going to bring to the table here is that I'm not willing to purchase a tight end like this that just hasn't done it, and I'm willing to overpay if he does start to do it. Um, I, I right now 17. I, we've talked about this before as well. The the top like 17, 18, 19, 20 guys could easily finish at a tight end 10 just based on like their competition. I mm-hmm. totally could see Komet being like tight end 10. And yeah, I would adjust my rankings accordingly, but I haven't seen anything yet to move him any further than where he is. Yeah, he's a guy that you're going to have to pay kind of low tight end one uh, price point to get him right now. So, you know, we've we talked about this before. John has said he kind of likes to draft these kinds of tight ends in the third round of his rookie drafts and then hold on to them. So I, I think it, it kind of jives. Like Mitch, you don't want to pay what you would have to pay to get him. But John, his strategy is kind of like to draft these guys in the third round of rookie drafts and then wait. So it kind of makes sense that y'all are in different places on commit. But you know what? If you're patient enough to hold on to that tight end and say no to all the trades because people are going to be offering those trades, right? People are going to be offering that low-end tight end one money. And if you drafted commit, then John, do you actually take that trade? Then you actually net a profit there. So I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. But... I'm just not again, I'd just rather I'd just rather buy it. I'd rather say, hey, you know what? He's ascending. I'm buying it. Here's here's the price. All right. Let's move on to their final team in this divisional preview, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. At quarterback, Kirk Cousins is our QB twenty-four. He's kind of been living in that low end QB one range since he got to Minnesota in terms of fantasy finishes. He's only thirty-three. But I think the reason we are in line with the community here as a low-end QB2 is the lack of upside uh, from a rushing perspective, coupled with the infusion of new QB talent that's kind of flooded into the league over the last couple of years. What do you think about that, Mitch? Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, there's a lot of lack of upside here. But there's one important thing that I think people should should know is that I think people are fading too hard on Kirk because here's... Really, here's the only fact that I want to bring up is that he's fully fucking guaranteed through 2022. Yeah. So, like, that's $35 million in 2022. So uh, whether there's upside and, like, their uh, their backup, oh, God. What's Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, yeah. If there's uh, upside there and he's showing out in practice or whatever, I don't think that they're going to have the balls to 
pull the plug on Kirk Cousins because at, what are they going to do? Cut him? What are they going to do? Like, like have him be the backup quarterback, paying him $35 million a year? So <laughs> Probably not. No. So he's a great quarterback. Like, uh, he's a great third quarterback on your Superflex roster. Yeah. He's a guy that you can plug in and expect, like, a decent production but he's a guy that's going to be on the field, and he has Justin Jefferson on his team, so he's going to be throwing some touchdowns here and there, right? So, honestly, I, I'm kind of I'm a buy on Kirk Cousins based on his current price. Uh, I I can dig that too. Uh, if he's my second QB and one QB, or he's my third QB and super flex, then yeah, I'm right there with you. He's one of those sneaky buy guys right now that I'd be targeting just because, what, like you said, the market. Right, and you know he has two of the last three years he's finished as a low-end uh qb1 so if he kind of continues that for the next couple of years and you have him as your third qb on your super flex roster you can't be mad about that all right y'all mentioned him kellen mond is our qb32 in consensus um third round pick uh in the 2021 nfl draft opposite style qb from cousins i was kind of surprised to see him come out two spots ahead of jordan love uh, in our consensus, despite the clearer path for Jordan Love, and that's due to John. So tell me why you prefer Mond as a bench stash so clearly to Love in terms of your rankings. That might be more than uh, more about Jordan Love than uh, Kellen Mond, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, just because of the red flags. You know, he's a first round quarterback. Uh, now, you don't necessarily expect first round quarterback to make it onto the field, uh, but you want to see the path. And uh, I don't see any logical path for Jordan Love to take the field anytime soon. And that's a red flag for me uh, for a first round quarterback. Now, Mond, he does the things that Kirk Cousins, you just mentioned it. He does the things that Kirk Cousins doesn't do. So I can see a path for him to take the reins in this offense. It's like, if this isn't working out with Kirk, we want to try something different. We got a guy to try it different. So I just see better upside with Mond right now than I do with Jordan Love. I understand that he was a first rounder and they're kind of committed to him for a while, but without seeing a clear path forward, I, I'm just, there's a lot of red flags for me with Jordan Love right now. Right. And I mean, if Aaron Rodgers does come back, then I think this Kellen Mond over Jordan Love will probably be pretty chalk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So at running back Dalvin Cook, our consensus running back four, super stud at the running back position, top five for all of us. I think he's clearly running back two overall for 2021. I have him down at five because like I said earlier, I'm pretty quick to be scared off of an RB age cliff. He's going into his age 26 season. But as long as he's healthy and he, he's got a solid argument for best all around running back in the league. So I can't fade him too much. That's why he is my RB5. Mitch, he's still your running back three behind CMC and Jonathan Taylor. He is. He really is. I don't know how you can say he's like clearly the running back two, though, with a competition like uh, Jonathan Taylor and henry and saquon and in, in redraft and redraft i think it's pretty clear like because are of, you saying are you saying his clear choice as the number two pick like as far I'm as running i'm saying if you are in a redraft league and you're drafting i think you're ridiculous if you take a running back over dalvin cook other than christian mccaffrey in the draft like because in redraft in 2021, I expect him to be the second best running back in the league for fantasy because of his volume. Yeah. And because of how talented he is. No, he. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. I, that, I just wanted to clarify that because like all of these dudes could finish the running back too. 
Um, yeah, if he's clearly the the second running back picked, I can definitely agree with you there. And he sits there at number three for me, which is right above uh, what uh, right after CMC and JT, right above Henry Saquon. Like uh, he's just got he's so good. That's dude. He's, he's just am- so amazing. good. I know that's uh, like s- stupid analyst bullshit, but like. Yeah, I, I'm not. You guys have seen him play, man. It, this guy's a fucking beast. He catches the ball too. He's great for PPR. Like, this guy can win you a league. He's very, very good. And I can't justify him any lower than running back three. He's still young. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alexander Madison is running back 43 in our consensus. Still probably a high value handcuff going into year three. I think he burned a lot of people last year in his opportunity, but maybe that presents a cheap buying opportunity, whether you're a cook manager or not. John, what do you think? I think if you've got Dalvin, you've got to have Alexander Madison. And if I don't have Dalvin Cook, then I'm I'm really not interested in him. Uh, you're, it is a good buying opportunity, but it's got to make sense, right? You don't just go buy because there's an opportunity. I think you go buy him if you have Dalvin Cook, but you don't have him. This is the time to do it. I, I literally wrote, the exact same thing. I, I was reading no... your notes, actually. Oh, did I post them on the Google? <laughs> Son of a bitch. I, I kind of disagree a little bit. I think if he represents a cheap buying opportunity, I think anybody could target him as maybe a throw-in in a deal. You know, it pays to have high-value handcuffs on your bench whether or not you own the RB1. Because if the RB1 goes down, then you're doubling your upside there. Sure, but... I guess if you're if you're out there looking for a Madison, how much you willing to pay? How much you willing to pony up to get this guy like a third round pick? And do you think that the manager is actually going to give that to you? Probably not. I would pay a third round pick for Alexander Madison. I don't think you're going to get him for a third round pick. But like I said, he'd be more somebody that'd be looking to throw in at the end of a deal to kind of grease the wheels of a deal. Yeah. So. And, you know, that's kind of a cop-out answer, I understand. But I think, like, he's a guy that you can kick the tires on right now. He just seems a little cloggy to me, but I I, I get what you're saying. I mean, speaking of cloggy, the (laughs) other running back on the roster is Kene Nwangwu, who is a rookie uh, fourth-round pick. This is a 90th-plus percentile athlete with that fourth-round draft capital. I mean no production to speak of at Iowa state. So I'm putting him on a lot of my taxis because I know he will have a roster spot because of that special teams upside. And I know John has kind of poked fun at like, Oh, do we get special teams points on our fantasy teams? But (laughs) look, special teams aces are guaranteed roster spots. And when you have a guaranteed roster spot, there's always a chance that you're going to be able to take advantage of an opportunity to demonstrate the athleticism. Now, neither of you have him ranked, right? So let me tell you why. Who, who was John? It sounds like both of us are hankering to get in here. I'll let you go. <laughs> I just have one comment. Like when he was drafted, you know what I said? I said, Kenne Nguyen, who? <laughs> <laughs> Nguyen going to be on my team, bro. Like, no, I don't. I, man, special teams ace. Like, I'm good on that, bro. Um, I, I, sure, he's he runs real fast, and I like that, but. I mean, how long are we going to chase like the, the Cordero Pattersons uh, before we realize that they're not helping us out any on our fantasy squads? Fair point. Uh, yeah, I I just think, you know, when you're getting to that taxi squad territory, uh, there's there's worse things that you could do than put a super athletic running back who has a guaranteed running spot on a good running team in that taxi spot. 
That's all I'm saying. All right. At wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver two in our consensus, pretty much elevated to the wide receiver one in a lot of consensus rankings kind of around the dynasty landscape. He's gotten there for Trey and myself. We have him at wide receiver one, but not quite for you two, John and Mitch. Mitch, as soon as a player reaches that number one overall status at their position, especially in a deep position like receiver, I generally like to try and see what I can get for them. Trade back to like a mid-range wide receiver one and acquire more draft equity in the process. Now, it's hard with Justin Jefferson to do that, though, because he's just 22 years old. Well, you're the trade wizard, man. Uh, JJF is not somebody that should be on the trade block. That's why yeah. you have him, keep him. Yep. I don't care what your I don't care what the rest of your team looks like. This is a guy that you build around. This is a rookie that finished wide receiver fucking six, and this guy is incredible. I, I'm not trading him if I have him unless somebody like blows the doors off of something stupid. Yeah, hundred percent hold. Like, do do not trade unless the unless your league is trying to veto the trade that you just made when you sold J Jeff. Don't don't make the trade. Okay, I mean, look, my perspective is when somebody reaches wide receiver one status, that's the pinnacle. Their value cannot get <laughs> no any way. higher. Their value can't get any higher. So that's the time when you're going to be able to trade for another wide receiver one, C.D. Lamb or something, and a first-round pick, right? Nobody is going to scoff at Justin Jefferson for C.D. Lamb and a first-round pick on either side. If I am the Jefferson owner and I get offered C.D. Lamb and a first-round pick, I'm taking it, personally. I don't think you're getting that offer, buddy. You said, okay, maybe if somebody, everybody in the league vetoed the offer that you okay, got. Okay, I, I see what Jefferson. you're saying. I mean, but that's Nobody still... is going to be like... CeeDee Lamb in a first-round pick, that's way too much for Justin Jefferson, right? I don't know. I think the person that just made that move is – they won the trade, though. I mean, that, that's the kind of offer you'd have to get. That's all I'm saying. You're the wizard. And even then, I think it's extremely difficult to do because he's 22. This isn't a 28-year-old Devontae Adams when he was the wide receiver one, right? This isn't a 27-year-old Michael Thomas when he was the wide receiver one. Even like a 26-year-old Tyreek Hill. This is Justin Jefferson. He's 22. So you have to get an incredible return, yeah, right? Exactly. I, I would just like to apologize for trying to bow up with the with the trade wizard. I, I you got me. You <laughs> oh, got you me, caught, buddy. You you caught me being a little yeah. aggro. Yeah, there you know what head. though? You're absolutely right. And uh, look, he's worth it. And again, do not even think about trading for less than if you don't think that you're winning the trade, then don't make it. That's I guess that's what I should have said. Yeah, yeah. You should be sm like if you're going to trade the wide receiver one overall, by consensus in the market, then you got to get blown away. I right. think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. All right. Adam Thielen is wide receiver 35 in our consensus. Going to be 31 this year and his value has taken a hit in kind to that yeah. elderly fine wine age. Mm -hmm. Fantasy finish of wide receiver 10 in PPR last year. And that was, you know, heavily due to 14 touchdowns, only 925 yards. John, where are you? regarding Adam Thielen. Like he's been a sell for a while, right? Like you want the return of a first rounder for him because you can just see it happening. Like I'm looking at the redraft rankings right now and I'm seeing him as wide receiver 20. So it's like that the value his ADP is dropping. It's just a matter of time. Uh I guess write him out, but it's like the reason we're so high on Justin Jefferson is because we expect him to be the wide receiver one in that offense. And where does that leave Adam Thielen? Uh 
I, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to target him. I'm not sure I'm even trying to target him if I'm a contender at this point. Whoa. It's like, I don't, I just don't know what, what to do with him in Dynasty, right? Obviously, you can't cut him, but I think he's maybe one, he falls in that category where you kind of have to write him to the end because he's going to produce and then he's going to not. And you just don't know when that's going to happen. All right, John. But the last three out of four years, he finished wide receiver nine, wide receiver seven, wide receiver 10. And then there was 63 in between when he got hurt. That's pretty good. And it's very good. You know, who also is pretty good is Adam Thielen. And he's always benefited from, um, oh, uh, that, that one guy, Stefan Diggs, uh, and he's you, pretty know, good. you know that that other guy, uh, Justin Jefferson, is pretty he's good. Pretty good. And so, I I don't see any reason to fade other than his age. Yeah. I think that we might be getting scared off a little too early. I see like two more good years in Adam Thielen. And so, if I'm contending, I am actually interested. Well, okay. Well, then, if that's the case at uh, an ADP of wide receiver twenty and redraft this year, then he's a buy for you for sure. He is. Then right, he is. That, yeah. Look, so. I overpaid for Adam Thielen in season last year in our main dynasty league. I traded a lottery pick, uh, a top six lottery pick in the rookie draft for 2021 for Adam Thielen because I thought he could help me win a championship and he did, right? And I think that you are going to have that opportunity again this year at some point. At some point, Adam Thielen is going to score two, three touchdowns in a game. And if you have him, you'll probably have a a sell window there that you can sell to another team yeah. for inflated value because he has that touchdown upside. He's a really good receiver, like Mitch is saying. And so I just wanted to piggyback that point. It's like when, so I'm rebuilding in our like home dynasty league and I bought Adam Thielen and everybody's like, well, why? And in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know what, man, this guy's going to, this guy's going to remind people that he's really good. He's going to put up a bunch of touchdowns and, all the people that were fading are going to have kind of a that that moment where they're like, actually, I could use them because I'm contending, and then I can get more than what I paid for. And I know buying the trade is not really necessarily y'all's philosophy, but when I see somebody that's still got it, that people are trying to kick to the curb for, uh, for less, that's why he's a buy for me. Because I think that I can flip him. Or if he's doing well for me, then I'll just hang on to him and uh, just be that dark horse into the championship, you know? I don't hate that. Like, I, I think that there is going to be a window this season. So everybody in our home TLC dynasty Don't league, listen to this episode. Yeah, watch out because Mitch is going to be looking to exploit an Adam Thielen boom week. We're going to redact <laughs> this part out of this episode just for you guys. All right. Amir Smith-Marset is a fifth round pick coming in on a shallow depth chart here with an aging Thielen. He's worth a stash for me. I have him on a couple dynasty teams. Ooh. I like him. But... um. Yeah, I think I'm the only one who has him ranked. So uh, we'll move on. I thought you just Tight mistyped ends. Irv Smith. No, I'm dead. I'm dead fucking serious. <laughs> no, our time. No, Amir worth... Smith Marset. He's worth a fifth step. round pick. He's definitely. I just saw Irv Smith, and I just like was scrolling real fast on the airplane. I was like, oh man, I, I literally glazed over that. I'm sorry. I, I think he's got a chance to be the wide receiver two there soon. I'm not gonna bet on it. But I think he'll slot in immediately as the wide receiver three. He'll get in on three wide receiver sets, and he's got a chance to move up to the wide receiver two if he impresses. So he's a guy that's worth stashing, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Tight ends. All right. Irv Smith is tight end nine. I think the whole community is a bit aggressive on Irv Smith right now due to the talent, the second round draft capital from a couple years ago, and the departure of Kyle Rudolph. 
but there's really not a lot of volume to go around here in this offense. If you combined Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith's stats from last year, you get about 700 yards and six touchdowns, so a little bit less than what TJ Hawkinson put up on his own last year. I have him at tight end nine, but I am a bit shaky. Mitch, what do you think? I think I'm not as shaky as you because I like what I see, and I think he's a good candidate to make that leap here into maybe consistent tight end one territory, low end tight end one. But I think if there's the time, it's it's now. And so uh, if you're into the buying tight ends, uh, I, I think it's going to be a little more expensive, kind of like we were talking about with Cole Komet. I think you're going to have to pay low end tight end one money. But uh, I, I, I like Irv Smith and I like his athletic ability. I, I'd be willing to put out some feelers for him. I like Irv Smith a lot more as a talent than Cole Komet, but uh, John, what do you think? Uh, well, it's the cliche of the third-year breakout, right? If it's going to happen, this is the year we expect it to happen, and that's that's where the market is right now. So it's going to be up or down for him this year. If he if he hits that breakout, then he's gonna he's gonna be a, in the probably a top six, seven kind of guy in the rankings. And if he doesn't hit this year, then you're going to start seeing him slide back down to closer fourteen and fifteen. But hey, if he has a slow two first games, three first games, maybe that's your buy. Maybe that's your buy low opportunity right there. Yeah. As long as he's getting some snap count. Tyler Conklin could fall into that streamer category with an injury to Irv Smith, I guess. I mean, he's been getting some hype from Mike Zimmer as like, Great. oh, you know, Irv Smith's role isn't going to grow because we have Tyler Conklin. And that just sounds like bullshit to me. I mean... Who knows? I'm not stashing Conklin on any of my teams, but I know he's rostered in pretty much all of my dynasty leagues. So whatever. Pass. Good for him. (laughs) That is going to wrap up our penultimate divisional preview. Next week, we are going to finish up with the AFC North, and then we're getting into some different content. Trey, we miss you. Come back, Trey. We're looking forward to getting you back on the mic next week. All right, homies, that's going to do it for the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Talk to you later. Peace out. Later, guys. Thanks for listening.